Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 225, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, bitches. Oh, yes, and we've got a lot of entertaining to do today. A lot. We've got a couple of Cowboys draft thoughts. We've got Todd Archer. He's going to jump on with us. Man, there are some wild-ass stories for the block here today. And we've got to get into what has the potential to be, and I can't, it's impossible to keep my brain from going down that path, but this weekend we may see the greatest sports story we've ever seen. Really? We might. I don't know. We might. But before we can get any of this done, we have to say hello and thank you and and just make sure everybody is aware you got to call Greening Law. The message that they need to get across to you is this. If you've been hurt in a car accident, much like I was months ago, I'm still working with them. If you've experienced malpractice, if you have been injured on the premises of a business, you may very well have a case. You need to call the lawyers at Greening Law because what they do is they handle all that crap that you probably don't know about, that I didn't know about, and they take that on for you, and they're the ones that are making those calls. They are truly your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. And what you want is somebody who's fighting for you, somebody who's handling the details, somebody who's got your back. And that's what Greening Law does, man. And it doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone, give them a call, and tell them about your circumstance. Here's what happened to me. I'd love for you to take me on as a client. If they say yes, trust me. Matt will tell you, it's been your lucky day. It's a good thing. And again, keep in mind that consultation is free. Give them a call, 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Call them now, offices, Dallas, Texas. These Dallas Cowboys, we are hurtling towards the NFL draft. And it's getting interesting because, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we did the draft machine last time. And you kind of looked at the receivers that are on their top 30 visit list. And all three of the receivers that are on their list are first round guys. None of those three are going to be there. Now, they may be there like, you know, maybe Traylon Burks falls into the very early part of the second round. I'd be surprised. They're not going to be there in the 50s. 
in the second round. No, not a chance. And so if they want one of these guys from their pre-draft visit wide receiver-wise, they're going to have to do it in the first round. You and I kind of looked at it and thought, man, of all the offensive linemen, though, most likely none of them are available around their second round pick, but maybe you can still get a, a really good receiver. But what's interesting is reports coming out today, and actually I think it might have been Chill, Clarence Hill Jr. was the first one I saw that had this, where the Cowboys had checked in with the Miami Dolphins on Devontae Parker before the Dolphins had traded him to the Patriots about a week ago in seemingly acknowledging that they've got to find a wide receiver somewhere because really? they decided, really? well, Jacques, now keep in mind, you can't sign Michael Gallup and keep Amari Cooper. I don't, I don't know if you know the salary cap and how it works, but you can't have both. Dude, you know, man, <laughs> <laughs> if, if it weren't so sad, I'd be laughing. But I think it's, it's just incredulous to me that you had a dude at $20 million, which is a big number until you find out that the going rate for those guys is now basically $30 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you had a guy at $20 million who could play, who you didn't have any questions about. And now it was one of your strongest positions. And now you're telling us, hey, we traded that guy for a bag of beans, a uh, bag of spinach dip, maybe. Right. Um, but now we got to fortify the position because it's weak as hell. And I'm just like, what are y'all doing, man? I mean – what are y'all doing? Devontae Parker's not as good as Amari Cooper. No, not even on the same. It's ridiculous. I mean, that's not even anywhere near what Amari Cooper is. And can I tell the truth, Matt? Let me, let me just tell the truth. This first-round pick, he ain't going to be as good as Amari Cooper next year. The hope is that he can turn into Amari Cooper. Right. But you're also taking a cat in the 20s. Let me tell y'all something. That doesn't mean that that dude will be, you know, who Amari Cooper was. You're taking a flyer. It's a first-round pick, but it's still a flyer. Yeah. Because um, it'll be interesting to see when the grades come out, if we ever get a peek at them. And this is what I mean, and Matt will tell you this. Most seasons, there are 16 to 18 players who are considered legitimate first-round picks, even though obviously there are 32 players taken. That means when you're in the 20s, you're typically getting somebody who's taken in the first round, even though his grade may be second round-ish, if you know what I mean. Right. And, and, right. and that's not unusual. That's just the way it is. And so when the Cowboys talk about blinking lights sometimes, you're like, oh, this guy's a second round pick on our board, and it's the fourth round. Oh, my God. Let's, we got to go grab that dude. So that's, that's what it means. And so my point is, again, you're looking for a receiver. You're taking him in the 20s. You don't know if this guy has a first round grade by the Cowboys or not in terms of they're trying to replace Amari Cooper, and it's all very frustrating to me. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really it's wild as well because this Devontae Parker thing, I mean, to your point, and, and granted money is a part of this as well, and, and the Devontae Parker money is not the Amari Cooper money, but Devontae Parker was traded for a third-round pick. Amari Cooper was traded for a fifth-round pick. And again, money has something to do with that because Amari Cooper, to take on that contract, we're not going to give you a third-round pick. But it's interesting because, like you were pointed out, I mean, Devontae Parker is notorious for being injured. He's a right. former first-round pick. He was taken 14th overall in 2015. He's been with the Dolphins for seven years till he just got traded. He only ever played in 16 games once in his career. And he was a guy that it was – I mean, anybody who plays fantasy football knows Devontae Parker because every year 
like, man, if this dude is healthy, this is the year that he's going to do something for the Dolphins. And then you draft him, and he would never do anything for you. And then the year you don't draft him, he goes out and puts up 72 for 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns because he played in every game. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, has he done anything like that since? <laughs> no, he hasn't because he hasn't played. He played 14 games two years ago, and last year he played in 10 out of 17 because he is perennially. I mean, this dude is the prototypical, I'm going to be able to play two-thirds of the season at best wide receiver. That's what he does. In his NFL career, he has played, again, you look at this, and, and there's the 17 that you could have played in this season. But the previous, you add that to, so out of 113 possible games, he's played 93. So he's missed 20 games, which is, you know, give or take four, three, three or four games a year that he's missing. Yep. I mean, we, we know how we feel about that. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Sean Lee or uh, Demarcus Lawrence or uh, uh, Porzingis. Yeah. <laughs> People, teams, and fans don't like you missing games for injury, even though ain't nobody's fault you got injured. Right, but again, it, it goes back to this whole thing with the Cowboys. Like, okay, so you're interested in that guy, but you didn't want to figure out a way for Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup to, which you could have. We're all smart enough. We've had multiple conversations about it. You could have figured that out. Now, I get it. You did not want to pay Amari Cooper for the amount of production of what he was giving you, but in a way, that was your own damn fault because you paid him originally and then decided not to focus the offense in getting him to give you the production that you decided that you were going to pay him. The whole I thing is really weird. I think that's a good weird. way to put it. No, I think that's a good way to put it. Does when you pay a dude like that, you should build your offense around him or you should tell your offensive coordinator, hey, bro, in this case, hey, Kellen. We, le- we realize you're a genius. You're such a genius. I'm sure you can figure out a way to make uh, this $20 million guy a focal right. point of your offense. I mean, you would I think, trust right? you can do that. Like, whenever they decided to extend Cooper and that they needed to keep him around and they were going to pay him that, was there not a conversation with the powers that be? And, and, and Kellen Moore was a part of the, the offensive game plan when that went down. Did you not go and be like, hey, what do you think? Oh, yeah, man, this guy, we, we could do this and this with them. Okay, good, because we're about to offer him this kind of money. Can I tell you something, bro? Uh, the reason I love this podcast, the reason I love talking to Archer, even though he, he giggles about it, is it, it often spurs column thoughts for me. And the column I, I think I'm writing Tuesday for Wednesday, which is so you guys can check it out then, will be um, that, uh, you know, the Cowboys' decision to release, to trade uh, Mark Cooper for, you know, a pair of Jordans just gets dumber and dumber by the day to me. It's true. <laughs> Yeah, because because it's it's it seems to me that they didn't really have a replacement plan in place. We'll just get rid of them and figure it out. Uh, now maybe you can say, well, the twenty fourth pick in the draft is our replacement plan. The only problem with that is you're not guaranteed right. which which one of the cats you're going to get. You know, um, there's a certain point in the draft where you can go, well, one of these three guys should be available. At this at twenty four, you're probably looking at most likely we'll get the last one left. And so hopefully it's the guy we like, you know, or, or, or we'll move on. It, it just seems to me that their succession plan was flawed. And then in a league where offense uh, remains, you know, the way to win for the most part, uh, I don't know that you could just subtract what they did from the offense without a plan. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things where at this point, here's, I saw somebody tweet at you about this and talking about, well, they need to take the offensive linemen with the 24th pick. You could easily get a receiver later in the draft. And, and to a lot of, there is some fairness to that point. But I don't know necessarily, in again, like you talked about, we don't know who they have grades on, like what tiers that they're putting players on. But if they don't get their opportunity to get a first-round offensive lineman, I, I honestly don't know that there's that big of a difference in terms of what you're getting at the offensive line spot with what you get at 24, even dropping it down through the second round. But it feels like they've identified – I mean, they identified a group of linemen for a reason, and the fact that they only are bringing in those three specific wide receivers for a pre-draft visit, to me, is very telling. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I mean, it thinks that they like them, uh, and it thinks that they'll be available, perhaps, when when they're ready to pull the trigger on it and pick. Um, you know, I, I think, and I try to be, I try to tell this to fans, uh, those who have an open mind to listen. You don't have to pick anything at twenty four. You know, like oh, they got to pick a line. No, they don't. You know, you really don't. You can go get a stopgap lineman in free agency if you want to. Sure. Um, you can pick one later. You pick a guy who's – and I understand best player available, but you don't want to pick a guard that you have rated as the fifth best guard and the second best receiver is there. You know what I'm saying? Like, take the better player. Or the guard you got is in the third round at that point and the receivers are early second, late first. Well, then you go – the receiver is a much better player than the guard. Let's take the receiver, man. Or, you know, whatever the positions are. You don't want to be forcing things because that gets you Taco Charlton. And y'all saw how that worked yeah, out. Yeah, man, good Lord. I'm going to say this again, and I'm going to say it probably every podcast into the draft. You really can never go wrong taking the best player, whatever position it is, because the best players will find their way on the field the best players will help you win games. And all, all you get from plugging holes with cats because you need somebody there is remorse because you can find that spare in free agency for a minimum salary. Boom, he's a bridge guy. We're going to mm -hmm. bring this guard in here. This is third team in five years. He's solid. He ain't spectacular. He'll get beat some. Other weeks we won't notice he's there, but he can help us get where we're trying to go. You know, it's interesting, too, because with the Cowboys and the way that they have their kind of their, their arsenal on offense, it almost makes me feel like it is a very good landing spot for a first round wide receiver because you're not asking him to come in and immediately be that guy you're, or really even the second guy. I mean, in this offense, when you look at it, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb and Gallup. Dalton Schultz is here. You got Zeke and Pollard out of the backfield where you can allow somebody to kind of develop and work on some things in a lot of instances where they're not going up against the very best or even the second best cornerback that the opposing team has to offer. And that, you know, we kind of saw CeeDee Lamb get the opportunity to do that for a couple of years and maybe refine his game a little bit. So it, it to me, it feels like if you believe that you've got this wide receiver, the opportunity is there, he can do some things and you can kind of develop him in that role to which some other teams may be drafting him to be like, hey, you got to come in you know, kind of like a, a Devontae Smith last year with the Eagles. Like, you got to be the dude, like, right off the bat. And we can't afford, like, we can't give you any time to adjust to the NFL game because we got nobody else. Well, that's what happened to your uh, your guy from Waxahachie uh, who went to TCU who's now with the Eagles, who was their first-round pick two years ago, whose name escapes me. Jalen Rieger? 
Yeah, I was gonna say, even though I covered his dad in yeah. high school. Uh you know, Monte Monte. Uh so yeah, that's that's the problem. He didn't get a chance. Like, dude, you gotta come in and ball out right now. You know, forget the transition. We need you now. And uh some cats can do that, but a whole lot of them can't do yeah. that. And when you can't, you get exposed. And so uh yeah, it's a good spot for a receiver to come in because yeah, just from the very nature of the offense, they spread the ball around. You're not going to have to do everything. But uh, you know, you're also going to be compared to Amari Cooper because that's who slot you're taking. You're not taking Michael Gallup's slot, you're taking Amari Cooper's slot. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting to me as well. Just I, I think we all get drawn to the skill position. There's a lot more. Look, when CeeDee Lamb was drafted a couple of years ago, that was just crazy more exciting than the defensive end who was at Chase on that I think we all thought they were going to draft. And it's not going to be any different this year. If they draft a wide receiver, the excitement of that type of a selection is going to be colossally higher than drafting a guard. I mean, I don't care who it is. And yeah, it, it's awesome. They drafted Zach Martin. And, and back when they took Tra- Travis Frederick in the first round and Tyron Smith in the first round, you, you're kind of excited, but nothing excites you like the Zeke Elliott pick or the CeeDee Lamb pick, the Des Bryant-type picks. It, there's just nothing as exciting in the draft as those types of selections. No, nah, because those boys put points on the board. Well, that's that's what you hope they do, or that's what you assume they'll do. They put points on the board. Yeah, and like for me, I think it's anytime you get a chance, like, all right, all right, maybe I can draft him in fantasy because nobody's drafting Kenyon Green on their fantasy team or, or Taylor Lindenbaum or any of these guys. And I'm not saying, again, this has nothing to do with the Cowboys draft strategy, so don't mistake me. I'm saying from a fan perspective only, that's what is more exciting. I, the Cowboys don't give a rat's ass about that, obviously, nor should they. No, nah, bro. It's not. But, you know, but I can't wait that. But, but, but we do, so it's important, right. damn it. Because somebody's going to tweet at me and be like, the Cowboys don't give a care. They don't care about the excitement value. I was like, okay, I'm not saying that they do. I'm saying that I do as a fan of the team. It's exciting when they announce these guys that are skill position dudes. They're fun. That's fun in football as a fan. Jeez, people need to calm down. God. Oh, absolutely. For real, for real. <laughs> I mean, there's some crazy people out there. All right, before we move on, let's tell you, we've got to hit a couple of our sponsors again. And, and by the way, if you haven't had a chance, they're back with us and support these guys, man. We are still the only podcast they've ever sponsored. We are the only podcast they're currently with. Brews Biltong. Eat got, it. I'm telling you, man. Eat it. Or something like that. Yeah. Brews Biltong is badass. Eat it. Yeah, there you go. Now, what is Biltong, you may be wondering. It's like beef jerky, but it is not beef jerky. It is a traditional South African air-dried meat. I'm going to tell you flat out, if you put it side-by-side side with beef jerky, you will go for the biltong every time. It's more tender. It's more savory. Zero sugar. Zero artificial ingredients. You can get the snack bags. They're 240 calories and 30 grams of protein in a snack bag. It's so delicious. If your girl really likes you, she'll refer to you as biltong. Will she? You're trying to reveal something to us here? No, no, I'm just talking in general. I just figured that if your girl likes you, she'll call you Biltong because you're savory and tasty and delicious. <laughs> oh, Biltong. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> or I mean, she'd walk else? in a room and say, hey, babe, 
I'm going to treat you like Biltong today. Oh, and you're going to be like, that's deli- <laughs> so I'm delicious, apparently, because Biltong is delicious. There you go. I mean, seriously, though, it is very good. It's one of those snacks that once you start, once you try it, I feel like you'll just start having it in your home all the time. Biltong is what it is. That is the type of what it is. It's beef jerky. It's Biltong. Bruise Biltong is where you need to go. You go online to bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S. B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisebiltong.com. When you use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, you get 15% off your order. You're going to love it. It's Bruise Biltong, bruisebiltong.com. Try the shave Biltong. It's really outstanding. Yeah, that's the sliced Biltong. Yeah. Yeah, shaved Biltong. I wonder if they could shave it. (laughs) Like just little shavings of Biltong to eat. Yeah, they melt in your mouth, kind of like uh, gumdrops. Yeah, maybe they could. It, it, I think it's tasty. <laughs> I think you guys should try it. I'll also tell you this. It's interesting because I, I got an email from Aaron, and, and, and he's the guy who runs his crew over there with HFX Foundation Solutions. He said, you know, make sure you remind everybody that this is that time of year that you really need to start looking out for cracks in your walls, cracks in your ceiling, soil washout, things like that. I know in the DFW area, y'all just got like a monsoon of rain that came through in the last day or two. And I saw in some places in Frisco in like less than 24 hours, they got four inches of rain. So wow, that type of water, when you notice that it's not draining correctly or it's washing like soil washout and you notice that on your property, that is your land telling you, you got a problem here. And you may not notice it at first, but what you need to do is give Aaron and his guys a call because foundation is not something you want to mess with. And not only can they help your foundation, they can also help your drainage. They do installations and things like that to help drainage and gutter installations and all that. And you go, well, what does that have to do with foundation? It keeps the water away from your foundation and draining your property better, which helps your foundation. I mean, All this stuff, it kind of works in sync. It's wild how it works. And Aaron's the guy, man. He's the expert. He knows how to make your property drain better, take care of your foundation. They do all that stuff. Dude, and the the key to your house is always the foundation, man. I mean, it sounds basic. It sounds elementary, but it's true. It's why we we say it's a colonoscopy for your house. Let Aaron and his HFX team come over, give your house a one over, and give you that peace of mind that you don't have to worry about bad news when it comes to your foundation. That's exactly right. It's an easy call to make. It's 817-770-0174. Keep in mind, it's about 45 minutes to potentially save yourself thousands of dollars in damages by catching those drainage and foundation issues early. It is a free, no-obligation inspection. Aaron will get you taken care of. It's hfxfoundation.com or give them a call, 817-770-0174. So let's jump into this trip here around the block. Man, there is a lot of wild stories to get to. A lot of (laughs) interesting things. But before we do that, I wanted to throw this out there, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, but you know, our sponsors make everything possible on the podcast, and we're always looking for new sponsors. The reality of it is Jacques and I are not exactly the world's best salespeople, so it's not like we're going out and approaching a bunch of different businesses, but if you guys have a local business or you know somebody that does, I will say that I think our, our rates that we work with on our sponsorships are super affordable. You get, I think, our listening audience is one of the most dedicated, kick-ass listening audiences I've ever had on anything I've ever done. And that's for all you guys listening. I mean, give yourselves a pat on the back. You support us so much that continues to make this possible. 
And it's one of those things we're trying to grow this and, and figure out ways to do that. And for where we would like this to continue to grow, we are going to have to continue to grow with our sponsorship. So if you know some people or are interested in yourself, like I said, I mean, let, let's talk. Let's figure out if it's something that would work for you and we can go from there. You can shoot me an email, matt at jamsessionpodcast.com. It's a pretty easy email and I can get you some information and how it works and all that type of thing. I mean, we're super flexible. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that you see a lot of these podcasts and people are like, well, you guys should be like that or you should be like that. It's like, man, I'd love that. I'd love to be Pat McAfee or some of these other podcasts you see. But to do that, we have to grow in, you know, the advertising and the revenue and our, you use that and you turn it back into how do you help grow your audience? All that stuff comes into play with this. Oh, there's no doubt about it, man. And the thing I like about uh, what we do is uh, we're investing in all the, the people that sponsor the show, all the yeah. companies that sponsor the show. And I think the uh, the good thing is that our audience is invested. You know, when we tell somebody who this is who we rock with, y'all tend to rock with them too. So we're just looking for more partners uh, so we can continue to bring this content the way we bring it at the uh, frequency that we bring it. You know, nothing happens uh, by itself. And so it's all yeah. kind of a team effort. Yeah, so check it out and let me know. Again, it's matt at jamsessionpodcast.com. Just shoot me an email. So you had sent me this article, and I found this fascinating. And, I mean, you did too because you even sent a – usually, like, we'll just send each other articles, but sometimes you'll make a little comment, and you even sent pretty interesting. And so I went through this, and I was like, holy crap, this is pretty interesting. So MoneyWise, which is an online – blog thing, whatever. I almost said online magazine. I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? Online magazine. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. It's a website that does different things. They had an article that they put out called These Brands You Love May Soon Disappear Forever. Move over, baby boomers. The millennials have spoken and these brands are out. And I thought it was, it's fascinating to me when you start digging into, because some of these you'll be like, oh, well, why? And then the reasoning they give, you're like, okay, makes sense. For instance, Diet Pepsi. And this really is diet sodas in general. And part of the reason why is because instead of diet sodas, millennials prefer healthier drinks like sparkling water. And I thought that was funny because you and I both, we don't drink soda when we drink a ridiculous amount of sparkling water. I haven't had a soda in seven something years now. Oh, it's been, it hadn't been that long for me. I would couch it more like I probably have, I'm not even exaggerating, three or four a year. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I never do, ever. Like, and I don't even remember, you know, like some, like I don't even think, I used to when I first stopped drinking sodas, like I'd still go out to a bar and I might get like a diet and a splash of whiskey or something. Now I don't even do that because I rarely ever drink liquor. So if I do anything like that, it would just be an old fashioned. Like I wouldn't even get soda in it. I'm trying to remember the last time I had a soda. I don't even remember when it was. I couldn't even tell you, but I know because I, I made a point. This was like seven years ago to stop drinking them. And then I've completely just gone off. So that made sense to me. Um, One of the other it. things that's on this list, and I, I got to be honest with you, I didn't even know they still existed. <laughs> <laughs> that's a problem. The Apple iPod. I, I, I did not one. know that they made actual iPods anymore. Yeah, I didn't either, but I've still got one. The problem now is, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Somebody just sent me a... Uh, Ooh, a nude. <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody just sent me some breaking news 
from the Dallas Morning News that somebody just got canned. And I was like, wow. Oh, no, man. So I'll share that offline. Okay. Not online. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's somebody who's been there more than 20 years. Is it Tim Callishaw? Uh, no, nah, it's uh, no, nah, okay. it's not even anybody in sports. Oh, well, was, never mind then. It was it was shocking. But oh. anyway, uh, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, we were talking uh, about the iPad, and and apparently, because oh, I didn't I was, even realize that 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 the iPad was still, and apparently, iPod. yeah, the iPod. Sorry, see, I, I can't even say it right because I don't even remember the freaking iPod. I thought it was totally gone, but apparently they've been winding it down, and they they still make a model called the iPod Touch. I don't even know why, because everybody's got it on their freaking phone. You don't even. I know. Oh, I first like, time what's the I point? saw it, okay, here's here's how far technology has come. One of the first people I saw had an iPhone. I don't know who the person was. They were in the Cowboys library, and they had an iPhone. So this was many years ago. And I was just like, it seems so, this is me now having a thought bubble going, this just seems so dumb. I don't know why anybody wants music in their phone. What What's the point of that? <laughs> my god really i thought it was incredible when i first saw an iphone my mind was my mind was blown like when the internet first was like around like i thought oh, oh my god this is because you could okay. tell because i saw i knew somebody in 2007 that got an iphone right and like remember because when they first came out there and they still are crazy expensive but somebody had one. I was like, oh, my God, you got an iPhone. And they were showing it to us. And I was like, this is the future. Like, look at this. This, and Because even then, they had some basic apps. I was like, this is unbelievable. They're going to design stuff where everything you want to do is on your phone. I can't believe this. And sure enough, here we are. Dude, here's my other thought where you'll probably just go, "What? you were being like an old man before you were an old man. Because I remember I got chastised by Clarence E. Hill Jr. for it. Um, this was in the early days. Somebody sent me a text and I didn't respond. Um, it may have been Clarence or something. I can't remember because this is how long ago it was. And he came up to me later. I said, Man, I don't want nobody sending me messages on my phone. Just call me. Don't be bothering me. <laughs> and he's like, Dude, yeah. everybody's doing this. And I'm like, I'm not everybody. I don't want no effing text messages. That's the way of the life. I mean, it is the iPhone completely changed everything because now, I mean, again, you don't even, I have a laptop because that's what I prefer with the screen and all that. I have an iPad, which I mean, really for what we do for podcasting, I have to have a laptop. Otherwise it wouldn't process everything right. But anyway, you can almost do everything you need to do on these devices now. And, you know, that's what I think blows my mind is I guess I'm old man on my lawn. I don't know how people, people watch TV shows and movies and all kinds of stuff on their, on their phones. And that blows my mind. I'm like, how can you watch such a small screen? What is wrong with you? But that's where that's, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, it's more and more headed in that direction, bro. No doubt about that. So the other brand, there's a couple other ones. Victoria's Secret is on here, and I think we're all familiar with that as the store that we would kind of find our way into in high school and stare at the models and wonder, oh, my God, this is amazing. What's the high secret? School. We're still doing that today. <laughs> but Victoria's <laughs> Secret is a brand that has really suffered in recent years and has dropped off considerably. They, they shut down something like 250 stores in the year of 2020. And they've tried to find a way to bounce back to stay at the forefront of lingerie for women. But the problem is, is that there's a lot of other brands that are popping up that aren't as 
expensive that offer the same type of quality. It's just different. Like, I mean, women are just doing things differently than they did when Victoria's Secret was booming. Uh, not just that, but you can you can order it online now uh, from Amazon or wherever. You don't have to go to Victoria's Secrets to get it. Um, and I think as we've become a more liberal society, it's, it's not quite the, oh, my God, I sneak into Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Nobody sees me. You know, so everybody's a lot more comfortable with it, so it doesn't have the same allure or appeal, um, you know. So I, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, I hadn't thought about them, but once I read it, I was like, you know what? I can see that. Another couple of these that were on here are interesting because, again, these are things like I don't even remember the last time I had this. One is Campbell's Soup, and the other is Chef Boyardee, and like SpaghettiOs and, and that type of thing out of a can. And the reality of it is, according to this article, they're talking about like millennials and younger people are more in favor of fresher, healthier options. The sodium content in canned soup is sky high. Plus, it's just not that good. And Chef Boyardee to me is is like what you eat as a little kid. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to eat this anymore. And both these companies are trying like organic stuff and higher quality food or ingredients. The problem is that that means higher prices and then it becomes okay am i willing to pay this much yeah maybe a higher quality ingredient i'm still eating it out of a can am i willing to pay that much for something out of a can as soon as you taste as soon as you get taste buds man that's chef boy rd stuff is out the door yeah um i mean it's just i mean <laughs> i don't know how any uh, i can't see anybody over seven or eight eating that I mean, because again, as soon as you get exposed to something better, you're like, oh no, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't need, I don't need to go there. Yeah, so. it, it's interesting because like a lot of the things on this list are food items. Like Wheaties is on this list. Craft Singles, which are disgusting, is on this list. Uh, Kellogg cereals and and stuff like that that are sugary and. A lot of it is uh, that younger people apparently are a little bit more health conscious and are you know, buying things that aren't as sugary and aren't as processed and, and are more aware of that now. If you're into health, you just can't do it. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like you want to be a bodybuilder. I'm talking about you just like, I just like to be a healthier person. Like, I'm, you know, I don't have any great athletic goals. I just want to be a healthier person. Um, if that's the case, man, you're not eating cereal for breakfast. I mean, so all those things just don't, uh, they don't exist anymore in terms of what you want for diet. Um, you know, uh, nobody wants a bowl of frosted flakes to start your day like that <laughs> because what you've heard about sugar and all this other stuff, man. And so I think people are making better choices. They're trying to make better choices. And all of that has left the bullshit food, uh, up a Creek without a paddle. Yeah. And so th that was prominent on this list. And the other thing is clothing lines like Ann Taylor and loft and H and M Claire's. I already mentioned Victoria's secret forever 21 things like that. And that made a lot of sense to me because I do think that the younger generation, those are mall based stores. Those are brick and mortar based stores. And I don't know necessarily that the younger generations, you know, everybody shops online now and, and you've got to have an online presence that is very, very good. And then you may see some of these smaller boutiques and things like that that will do a variety of local shows. But it feels like local and that type of thing is bigger now than it ever was before to where some of these big time brands, nobody goes to malls anymore. Nobody's going out of their way to go to a mall to shop the way that they used to, as opposed to like going to a downtown square or like a, a festival or something where there's a variety of different local clothiers and things like that that are doing this. 
Well, tell me what you think. I think shopping's a lot more specific. You used to go to the mall and go, oh, let me see what's in this store. Let me go see what's in that store. Oh, I haven't seen this before. Yeah. Now you're like, I want some Nike shoes or I want an Under Armour, you know, three-quarter zip or I want a sleeveless hoodie or I want a hoodie from this. You, I think people are just very much, here's what I like. Let me go find what I like. Or I saw somebody wearing this out. That was cool. Let me let me go find it online. And they move on like that. They don't, I don't, don't think they shop the way they used to shop. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, shopping habits have drastically changed. And, you know, for me, I used to be totally against, and to some degree, I mean, I'm, it, it helps me because I have an understanding now of like brands. And I, when I say brands, I mean, like if I go to a brewery and I want to get a brewery t-shirt, I look and see what brand that t-shirt is made on. And then I, I have a better understanding of how those shirts are going to fit me. So I've paid a lot more attention to that because it used to be like, if I couldn't try on a t-shirt, I wouldn't buy it because I didn't know if it would fit me the way I like. But now I know, okay, you know, a variety of these different brands that are out there. I know how that fits me. I know I get a large in this one, an extra large in that one. I know what it's going to be. And so now I don't mind buying without having to try stuff on anymore. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always a winner. Um, that's the best way to shop there. <laughs> Nobody wants to be trying out stuff if they if they don't have to. Yeah. And that's pretty much why I'm brand loyal because you know, you know, whether it's jeans or whether yeah. it's shirts, you yep. know exactly how it's gonna fit and so you can just rock with it. Yeah, and a lot of the times like return processes have gotten so much easier now. Like even with Amazon. I mean, if you got a problem with Amazon, you just go, Hey, this doesn't fit or whatever, you put it in a package, go drop it off at whatever it is, UPS or FedEx, and then they take care of all, you, they just send it back for you, and you're all good, and, and it's very quick and easy, so it makes it easy. But I thought that was interesting because there are a lot of those things that are going to disappear throughout right. the course of the next decade that we'll, we'll look back and be like, man, that's interesting. Remember that? And then it just, it's like Blockbuster or anything else. I mean, it, it gets antiquated and you have to completely change your business model. And if you don't, somebody else already has, and you'll be playing catch up like how blockbuster tried to catch up to Netflix and it didn't work. You know what, bro, that, uh, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine yesterday about going to college. And I was like, well, you know, in today's world, you don't necessarily have to go to college. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need to go. I go, not really. I mean, depending on what you want to do, right? Yeah, you need to, but, I said, you know, they didn't have YouTube millionaires and TikTok millionaires, you know, 10 years ago. So, no, if you know exactly what you're doing or, you know, maybe you want to deal in real estate, you don't necessarily need to go to college for that. You got to take some classes and some other stuff, but you don't need to go invest in four years of college. Nope, you need the foundation of college. I said, dude, you're thinking like somebody who's in their 50s. And, uh, well, you went to college. Your parents went to college. It was good enough for you. I go again, bro. You're thinking like somebody in their fifties, man. Not somebody's got a new way of thinking. Yeah. And 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 I say that in the sense of these businesses, like, yeah, they were great a decade ago or two decades ago, but if they haven't changed with the times or haven't figured out how to adapt to the new times, you go the way of the dinosaur. You're exactly right, and that's what some of these businesses are running into. The other thing I had, did you see what I sent over about the the Masters? As many of you know, start on Thursday. They run this weekend. Well, Waffle House, which is most people in Texas have probably heard about. Well, it, it originated in Georgia. It started in Georgia where Augusta is for the Masters. It is huge in the South. Adidas and Waffle House have paired up to create a Waffle House sneaker collab 
just in time for Masters Week. Yeah, people do anything for a buck. And it's, it's really interesting. It says Waffle House like on the back of the shoes and on the inside the sole says Waffle House and it looks kind of like, you know, it's a white shoe that has like a pancake syrup looking stripe on it. it I don't know. It looks kind of cool. I was like, this is kind of interesting. They are inspired for the first major of the year, available in men's and women's sizing. They release on Thursday just in time for the first round. They are $210 for a pair Woo! of the Waffle House men's shoes. That's a, that's a nice sticker price. It's not, uh, it's not as wild as you might think, but it's still up there. Uh, I don't know if I'm rocking with that, but um, I'm not going to criticize you if you do. Yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be interested in them if they wanted to just give them to me to wear around. But I'm not going to spend two hundred and ten dollars on a pair of shoes. Personally, that's just me. But okay, I guarantee, let me take it. I guarantee you, you, here in the South, man, how much would I spend? What would you spend two hundred and ten dollars on? Because I'm not sure that mm. if that thing exists. Yeah, one item. One item that I would spend two hundred and ten dollars on, like just for myself, that nobody else would benefit from. Because obviously, I mean, like, I have a TV and I, like, a PlayStation costs that much. But my last PlayStation I got as a gift. I mean, I, I, I don't know that the lady friend cares too much about our television, but I got a, a, a new television <laughs> when we moved here. And I spent, you know, that was like a thousand bucks on a 75 inch TV or whatever it was. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. It is. So, you know, and then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, outside of something like that, probably nothing. Well, see, that's my point. See, I don't. You've never viewed me as a guy who you're an experienced guy, not a money guy, not a material possession guy, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's the uh, thing is like I would I would spend like I was gonna say like on a plane ticket or something or trying to like I'd rather save that money to go towards a trip like going somewhere. Yeah. So no, I used to uh, I used to uh, like you know I've been a shoe guy because I like to work out and I like to look good and feel good while I'm working out, but I haven't bought a pair of shoes probably in a year and a half, two years, which is probably the longest stretch and probably, I'm not even exaggerating, bro, 25 years uh, since I bought a pair of shoes. Um, but it doesn't move me anymore. And so I'm kind of like, I'm at the age where I pretty much bought everything I've ever wanted to buy. <laughs> and so I don't really buy stuff anymore. It's kind of weird to me. Because I've always been a guy who bought stuff, whether it was TVs or PlayStations or shoes yeah. or cars. And, like, I don't really have a desire to buy anything and nothing. I tried to buy some shoes, man. And I was just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I've bought, I, I bought a couple of, of shoes recent, like, I mean, within the last six months. But they were, like, $60. Yeah. You know, and then like the last time I bought a pair of shoes that I work out in, I spent a hundred dollars on those. But that would that was, I've actually been thinking about it. Like, I might need to get another pair because I, I only wear them to work out in. But you know, I run around, I do a lot of stuff, and so over the course of time, I mean, the wear and tear on that, I feel like it's worth investing so that you know that your shoes are good while you're running and you're you're working out stuff like that. You know that that's. By far, and usually, like, in years past, I wouldn't have done that. But I was like, man, I was running more when we lived in Texas, running around the neighborhood a lot and stuff. And so I was like, I'm going to get a decent pair of shoes that I can work out in. And I only use them for that so that they'll last a little bit longer. Not so I did. 
That's what I did. So yeah, that's how much I've spent. And then outside of that, I was trying to think, like, I don't think I've spent, well, that's not true. I had to spend $300 on a suit for my brother's wedding. And that's the most expensive piece of clothing I've ever bought my own self. But that pissed you off. It did. Although when my aunt passed away a couple of weeks ago, I wore it to her memorial service. So that is the third time I've worn it. So in my mind, I have now paid $100 per time I've used it. Which seems ridiculous to me. You know, that's why, like, I wear the crap out of... I have one pair of jeans. One pair. I wear them pretty much every day, and then when it gets warm, I'll wear my shorts. And I've had this pair of jeans that I bought at Target for 20 bucks for two years. And they're great. Mm. And I don't know what to say. I mean, that's just how I am. I I mean, I'll... I'll I'll spend 20 bucks on a t-shirt, you know. I will say this is... Okay, this... I did do this this past winter. This is probably in October. I was drinking at home one night, and, you know, I was feeling pretty good. I got on Instagram, and I saw this hoodie that looked super warm, and I was like, all right, I'm going to buy that. And I bought it. It was $70. Whoa! And you you know what? I wear it every single day still, even now, because for whatever reason, the house that we live in stays really cold. So I wear it every single night. I've, I've, I think I've only worn it out in public like once or twice. It's super warm. It's super soft. And I wear it every single day. So for that $70, I've got my cost per wear down under a dollar right now. <laughs> well, it don't get much better than that. No, it doesn't. I mean, you got to have your cost per wear. And I mean, eventually, I mean, my jeans, I bet at this point, if I did the math on this, I've probably worn these jeans 300 times. They cost me 20 bucks. I mean, what is the math on that? It costs me a nickel every time I wear it. I mean, that's brilliant. I need a little more variety. That's just me, though. <laughs> yeah, cost Although me. I've, I've, I've changed quite a bit. At one point, I think I told you this. At one point, probably four or five years ago, I probably had 28 to 30 pair of jeans. Wow. And now... You know, and now I'm down to, I think, uh, one, two, three, I think five. Yeah, I think I'm down yeah. to five. I mean, that's, I don't know. I have one pair of shorts, and I'm going to have to get another pair. I'd like to get another pair of shorts. Yeah, I, I got to have more. more. I got. I just got to have a little bit of variety. Well, see, I'm just super picky about them. I, like, I don't, I, I like shorts to be a certain way. And last year I wore one pair of shorts. I got at target so much that they started to fade and get kind of torn. So I went and bought the exact same pair. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, check this out, bro. You could even buy three of the exact same pair so that you can move them around and you know, you could do it like that. Well, here's the problem is that I see sometimes when I'm out and about, I'll see like a guy that has shorts on that I like. And I'm like, man, those look cool. And I almost want to walk up and like, hey, excuse me, sir. Uh, what kind of shorts are those? And where did you get them? <laughs> Bro. No, He's got to be like, man. what are you talking about, man? Who are you? No, those shorts are cool, dog. Where you, where you cop those at? Yeah, because I, you know, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind even if it cost me like 50 bucks for a, for a decent pair of shorts that I liked because I wear them so much I could get the cost per wear down to where it would make sense to me to spend that much money on some shorts. Nah, you're, I, think you're, I think you're headed in the right direction with that. But I'm, I think the key is you have to just like what you're, what you're getting yeah. and, and get the value from the, from the wear from it. Yeah, so 
there you have it. A fun trip around the block. So let's let's call our good buddy Todd Archer. All right, it is time once again. We do it every week. We check in with our ESPN Cowboys insider brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. It is Todd Archer. And Todd, Jacques and I were just talking about this with the Dallas Cowboys The as they get closer and approaching the draft. They've got three wide receivers on their, their 30 list, whatever their pre-draft visit list. All three of those guys are going to go in the first round. Then we find out that apparently they were trying to get in on the Devontae Parker situation. Is this is it laying out the coursework where it feels like if one of those three wide receivers is there that they almost feel desperate that they have to get a receiver early in this draft? Oh, they, they'll tell you they're not desperate to get a receiver, right? Okay. They'll tell you they're not desperate to do anything, but I would say you should be desperate. To, if you are desperate for anything, it would be an offensive lineman. I mean, it, that's the one spot they've not done anything here in free agency. Uh, at least they've added James Washington. At least they've kept Michael Gallup, although we know he's probably going to miss a couple games in, in September. But, um, you know, when you look at the guys that that are that are coming in at the top 30 visits, Olave, Traylon, Traylon Burke, and Drake London, which guy's going to be there at 24? Burke? <laughs> Yeah, I, I would think Burks probably is the most likely out of those three. Yeah. So maybe they're looking at a move up scenario, or or they're preparing for the CD Lamb fall for one of these guys. Um, so, and the Devonte Parker stuff, I don't know how in it they were from the people that I've talked to um, over there. So that might be just them covering. Oh, we didn't go after him. What we go after him for? And then find out like they offered up like a. 2029 seventh rounder to see if they could get the guy then you're really not in on it if that's what you were doing right um so but they they have to add a receiver and again of the top 30 guys that we know they don't have anybody in the second or third round that's coming through here so Mm -hmm. that tells you to me and, and i'm writing about this for later in the week it's the the two spots that tell you where they're going heavy in the in and looking in offense in the first round are those receivers, and then in the offensive line, when you look at Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Charles Cross, and uh, the the Central Michigan tackle Raymond Ryman, whatever the hell you pronounce his name, I haven't figured that out yet. Probably should. Um, <laughs> those the, those are the spots right there: guard and tackle and yeah. wide receiver that kind of tell you where they're leaning first round at twenty four if they stay there. And, and you know what's you... funny? Like we talked about. I'm sorry, Jack. We talk about like when people get mad in free agency with the Cowboys, when we say they tell you what they're going to do, like you don't need to be mad. Well, usually in this top 30 visit, they're telling us what they're going to do, right? I mean, 2005, where didn't visit. 2012, um, Mo Claiborne did, didn't visit. And I don't think CD had a virtual visit in 2020 or uh, 2019. Sorry. Um, no, 2020. Yeah, 2020 for CD. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're telling you what they're doing, and they don't they don't hide it. They don't they don't even try and hide it. Honestly, uh, no, man. What uh, what did you make of um, Bobby Wagner's deal now that it came out, or have you seen it yet? Yeah, one might blind. No one, you don't think. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Um, you may have been on your Peloton. It's it's not five for fifty, um, which we all knew it wasn't going to be. It's 
it's two for ten, and and some. Well, it's probably a little bit more than ten. It, it's one for six and a half. I mean, you can make the argument, man. Cowboys could have done that, and they absolutely could have could have done that. But again, I'll go to something that I said before that they don't, rightly or wrongly, they don't value that second linebacker spot to where they want to put a big um, emphasis on it, especially. And they're telling us that Micah Parsons will not be a full-time pass rusher. And then he had seven of his 13 sacks as a linebacker. So they didn't feel like it was worth the allocation of funds on a 32-year-old really good player that might not be as good as he once was. Um, that's they weren't going to go. Maybe they would have gone. Maybe they could They could have done it. Heck, they could do anything. But, they've again, they've told us that they don't have a high value of the second linebacker in this scheme because in some respects you can say that J. Ron Kurtz is, a, is their second linebacker behind Mike Parsons. Does that also mean that you shouldn't be expecting them to take a linebacker in the draft in, in the first three rounds either? No, I don't know about the first three rounds. And if again, if we go on to the, the, the top 30 visits of the guys that we know, you know, Devin Lloyd from Utah is on the list. He's a first round pick. He, he's maybe a guy, hey, if you get wiped out, and again, Van Der Esch is only going to be here. He's only signed through this season. You still have no idea about Jabril Cox, this, despite what they're going to say about, ooh, man, he did some good things in practice. He barely played. Like, they didn't really like him that much. They liked him as a special teamer, and now he's coming off a knee injury. You almost have to look at him, in my mind, as whatever you get is gravy. Um, but he didn't show – he was okay in the preseason action but they didn't trust him to put him out in the field really at all. So before he, before he got hurt. And then the uh, Quay Walker from Georgia is another guy. He's a second round pick. I, I would say that that could be a possibility. So those would be the guys that I think could get in the mix. If you're wiped out at the end of at number 24, that Lloyd get in the mix. And then when you're looking at their second round pick, maybe the Walker guy is the guy to look at. But, I, you know, there's so many different, first three round scenarios that we can go through because they need tight end too. We know they need offensive linemen. They know they need wide receiver. Hey, don't they need a pass rusher? Like, are they really going to count on Dante Fowler to, to relive the one great year he had with the Rams when he played next to Aaron Donald? I don't know if that's the no. right way to go about it. Right. And then, Oh, by the way, they need a defensive tackle, like the big defensive tackle. They've got plenty of, Free technique guys. I hate football lingo, but they got plenty of the Osa Digazuas, uh, the uh, Neville Gallimore. They got those kind of guys. They need a, they need a fat guy who can take a double team. And Jordan Davis is another guy from Georgia that's coming through here that is a big dude, obviously. Um, to, again, if they're wiped out, I just don't think, again, that they value that position enough for the first round to say let's get a run stopper in the first round that could we be wrong seen any evidence and they, and they could be wrong if that's what they're thinking yeah and, uh, and, you know because you look at the 30 draft i mean again if, if we're reading the tea leaves of what they're telling us most likely unless it's jordan davis it's not going to be that guy i mean it, it's going to be an offensive lineman or a wide receiver there and you know tight ends interesting because you look at the couple of tight ends or i guess they have what is it four i think that are on their top 30 list and a couple of those guys, uh, and, and Ruckert especially, the kid from Ohio State and the dude from A&M are both, you know, most likely either late second, which the Cowboys have a late second, or sometime in the third round, which kind of leads you. And again, it's 
you know, I don't know how many guys, if their whole draft is guys that, that are visits, but it really kind of leads you to paint that picture of where they're looking in, in certain rounds just based on the range that these guys are expected to go in. Right, and it, to me, the, the Weidemeyer kid from A&M is an interesting case because in 2020, I guess, two, two years ago, you watched him play, you're like, goodness gracious, this yeah. guy's a superstar. And then you watch him play last year, and you're like, what happened to this guy? So then, you know, and it wasn't as, he wasn't as, productive and not you know don't show me the numbers but it just it he didn't wow you as much last year and i noticed and i, I noticed more drops that he had and now you have some people think well he might not get picked at all that there's some issues around this kid that could leave him all the way into day three let alone day two so um and what do they want out of their tight end and again schultz is only signed for one year so we we know the garrett tight end guy you got to be a guy who plays with your hand in the dirt and, and block a little bit. With, with Kellen Moore, maybe they're open up a little bit more than that. Uh, that they they're not so keen on, they're not so hung up on. Well, can he block? Like you know, what I mean, like who is the dude from San Diego State second round pick? Get Escobar. Uh, I mean, that's a second round pick that Romo really liked that they never played because well, he couldn't block. Well, they didn't invent any scenarios or packages for him to kind of do what he did best either. So, you know, you, you better have some things in mind when you're looking at all these tight ends if you're not getting a guy that can do a little bit of everything that you got to open your mind a little bit to here's Escobar his still eight, nine, me off. <laughs> 8, 9, 10 plays a game that this is what this guy's here for. He pisses me off because, you know, he scored – he only caught 33 passes, but he scored eight touchdowns. Red zone That's target. Good, you can throw it up That's a good him. ratio. Yeah, but I don't know. It just drove me crazy because he was a laid-back guy from California who could never block, and they're like, how come he's not more excitable, and how come he can't block? It's like, who did and the again, that, Right. Like, I have a feeling, like, <laughs> us in the media, we we have pretty good um, EQ. Like, we can pick up on things. Like, And, and with Gavin, good kid, right? But there was yep. never any, I'm going to show you guys that I can do this and I can not no fire to prove you wrong. Right. Like there there was nothing about so there how do they not read that? And did they really just fool themselves into thinking, Well, we can get him. We'll get him right. You know what I'm saying? Like that that was I, I don't consider Anthony Fasano a miss because the guy played a decade in the league. Mark Martellus was not a list a miss. He played a decade in the league. They weren't fits here because if you weren't gonna take Witten off the field at all then you really didn't need to send a, send a second-round pick on a tight end. True that, true that. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's – but this is – it feels like that's Cowboys at their finest in a sense. Kind of like – I would say that's the old Cowboys, right? Because when, when was Escobar drafted? Was that 2012? That was, that was a while back. It seems like a while back. 2013 was Travis, was Frederick. So, you know, there's basically – the demarcation line of like where things change for how the Cowboys think and how they draft truly is 2014. Will McClay took over because I think they added up all of those things. It wasn't just, well, here's the 32nd player on our board. Uh, now they're thinking, okay, here's the 32nd player on our board, but do we really value this because of X in our offense or X in our defense and how you use guys. So I, and I think you can look at it and say they've done a pretty, really good, a 
better than good job drafting since Will McClay has been the, the head guy. Well, I think, why do you think that is? I'd say it's because philosophically he spends whatever. He's figured out how to get the coaches to tell them what kind of players you want so we're not Correct. getting guys that you don't that you don't want. I, I think absolutely that is a big part of it. And the communication between between the scouts and what they want is better. Um, he's got everybody all on the same page. Doesn't mean they all think alike, but they all know what Dan Quinn wants. They know what Kip Pete wants. They know what Kellen Moore wants. They know what uh, George Edward wants, a linebacker. And then so so that takes some time. And so now they're not getting stuck into the drafting guys that really don't fit what these coaches want to do, which is, uh, which is, doesn't that seem, why did it take so long to figure that crap out? Because <laughs> Cause common sense be, ain't common, uh, like grandma used right. to say. Yeah. I mean, it's, here's something that we, we have our, our guy in Jacksonville is doing a story about his team. Um, since two, from 2012 to 19, they've only had nine draft picks signed second contracts with their team. Wow. Don't ask me how many picks they have. So he wanted to know how that kind of rated across the league. And I looked up the Cowboys. They In that same time frame, they've had 19 players sign second contracts with guys. And that kind of goes to what, Jock, what you're saying about the 2018 draft class really isn't as bad as you think because all these guys are still in the league, still playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, so they're still – They're getting yeah. players. Like, I, I robbed him off because of the Packers first, and I was talking to him, and he was saying, like, the 2018 draft class, I think it was the 18 draft class, like, there's, like, two guys even in the league, or three guys in the league, and two of them with the Packers. You, you know, so they're picking guys that have NFL abilities, even if they don't work out for your second contract here in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I think that's the whole key. If you consistently draft guys who can play in the league, you know, ultimately you'll have your stars and whatever. It's when you draft guys who just can't play, especially in the premium rounds, first three rounds where you have problems. And when you look at their first three rounds, whether they play in Dallas or whether they're like they're good but not good enough to give a big money deal to, they typically don't miss in the first three rounds. Yeah, I'm going um, through the list right now. I'm not talking about Connor McGovern. Well, I was going to say, outside of 2019 (laughs) with the Tristan Hill McGovern draft, you know, you look at that draft and there's really only Tony Pollard that you could pull from that entire draft. You know, maybe Donovan Wilson, who at least is a six-round guy, gave you a little something. Yeah, Yeah, he's a guy who's still around and still could be, you know, a starter-ish, right? If there's 15 starters on defense, he's among the 15. Yeah. However you Uh, want to look at it. You think Tristan Hill has a shot or no? To me, I, I look at it as I, I mentioned Gallimore and uh, help me out, Odigizua. I mean, this is the last year of his deal. You're not going to resign him. Is he a guy that you could trade for something once you get down to the end of training camp? Yeah, perhaps. A you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying what you, you say again. A double quarter pound with bacon? No fries. That's though. fine. That's fine. You're, You're definitely not getting. The value definitely of me a lot Nope, nope, nope. Just a sandwich. Just a sandwich, not the meal. <laughs> but again, if you're not going to keep them beyond this season, what are you doing? And then you're not going to get a compensatory pick for them leaving. What are you doing? Like, it just um, kind of seems to be a sunk cost that just, you know, move on and let him be someone. If he goes on, plays well somewhere else, then he says, hey, good on him for figuring it out. But it wasn't going to happen here. 
Nope, sure wasn't, man. It, it, it feels like it's been that way ever since he came into the league. Oh, this is maybe this is the year for Tristan Hill. What is this, his fourth year? And You do four, and then you're done. Thanks for your services. And then last year, he obviously coming back from the knee injury, he got hurt the same game as Zach, and he didn't come back from his ACL deal until middle of the season, say. Um, so, you know, I mean, last year was kind of a, a wash for him in some respects. But, again, he, he doesn't earn the benefit of the doubt by what he did in his first year and a half to say, okay, that, well, they got their second-round pick coming back. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody's thinking, all right, this defense is going to be great because Christian Hill's playing. <laughs> nope, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he, Tristan Hill's the missing piece. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think so. Yeah, you had mentioned something when we were talking about kind of that draft and where they're at at 24 about, again, I don't know if you know, trading-wise, with those four picks that they have because of the compensatory picks in the fifth round, do you see them using one or two of those and trying to, to do something somewhere along the way, moving around? So I want to say yes, but I thought that was going to be the case last year when they had 11 draft picks and they didn't really trade any of them. Right, they they made all of their picks last year, so I thought because I was like, there's no way you're gonna have 11 draft picks make your team, right? I mean, it's just yeah. what are you doing? Just move around, just to cut. And we're not talking like the big jumps up. We're, we're talking about, um, we're, we're just talking about the 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 little jumps to, hey, we know that these guys like player Y. Let's get in front of them so we can get them before we lose them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they didn't even do that, so. I would assume, like, I would assume that yes, they they would be active in the trade market. But I'll also throw this out: we're hearing nothing about salary cap, salary cap, salary cap. But what's the best way to work your salary cap? You have those four fifth round picks, make your team, and count seven hundred and ten thousand or whatever the heck the number is against your cap. That that helps you out, and and, right. and that that tells me that well, heck, they probably could make all their picks. If they did it last year, why wouldn't they do it again? Um, I'm not saying Trader Jerry's gone, but after last year, it just seems like last year's philosophy would have to go away for them to be active again in the trade market. Yeah. And you know, they're balancing that. I'm sorry. They're they're balancing everything out from this. Isn't just what the salary cap looks like in 2022. It's, What's it in 25 and 26? You know what I'm saying? Like when they have these right. guys coming up, when the big guys come up. And, oh, by the way, you're going to have to pay C.D. Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, and Micah Parsons huge money. So I don't care. I'm trying to win now. How are you? Can't, you? can't you do both? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let me see. Who's doing both in the NFL? Seems like the Bengals are doing both. I mean, I, I would like to lose a Super Bowl. I, I, I mean, hell, just appearing in the <laughs> NFC title game well, would be pretty awesome. Right, and, and uh, <laughs> I was reading a story today about Joe uh, from Joe Banner on the 30, 33rd team site that he has about is the salary cap real? And his contention is, yes, it is real. Um, people mistakenly believe it's not, because they're, but eventually the cash and the cap have to balance out and it'll, it'll eventually get these teams like the Saints who have done nothing but restructuring contracts and pushing money out into the future in the Rams for doing what we know that what they've done. But my counter to that is fans don't care if 
The Rams have a five-year grace period now. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah. They can go to hell in a handbasket, but they can say, man, that 2021 season, that was a good memory, wasn't it? So yeah. it doesn't guarantee you're going to have success. I mean, the Patriots last year spent more money in free agency, I think, than anybody up until Jaguars this year, and they went 10-6 and six and lost in the first round of the playoffs. So I get that it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee you the success, and, and the Rams might be the outlier in these things, but it's kind of what we've said for the last couple of years. You can be players in free agency even if you're not shelling out fifty million, fake $50 million contracts to everybody. And that's where the Cowboys just aren't choosing to, to go uh, at the moment. Or, you know, I mean, last year yeah. they didn't really spend a whole bunch. The year before that, they, you know, Gerald McCoy was their big signing and he didn't play a game. So they've taken the all or nothing approach. And it seems to me like you don't have to be all or nothing. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you don't have to have the richest people on the planet, but you also don't have to have a, a bunch of these spare part bargain basement guys. Like feels like there might be some people at the happy medium, but I guess not for the Cowboys. And, and that's the hard part of like the early part of free agency. It's everybody's spending like a, like a drunk and going out and giving <laughs> all these guys money. And that's where you make your mistakes. And the Cowboys feel like they can look at last year's free agents that they signed and KZ and Neil and, and Secchi to a degree, I guess, Urban, Carlos Watkins, and then Curse and say, we get pretty good value out of those guys. And, and you know, and, and I'll freely admit when they signed Curse, I was like, why are they signing a special teams guy? This is going to be the next um, Will Allen or HaHa Clinton Dix. He's going to be the next safety, uh, Brodney Poole, the next safety that they signed in free agency is not even going to make the team. And then he turns out to be an unbelievable – or have an unbelievable season. We'll see if he can do it two in a row. But um, but I'm with you. There there has to be a – there should be a better balance of one-year veteran salary benefit contract and spending fake $50 million deals on players. <laughs> yeah. You would think so. But apparently for the Cowboys, they're, they're, it just doesn't exist for whatever reason. But like you said, I mean, to your point, they point at those things, and if you draft successfully, somebody's got to come in and be your spare parts on special teams that we all forget or even on the team at some point. I mean, you got to have those guys. Not everybody can be a star, I guess. I, it's, I don't know. I give up. I'm done. Just make a freaking conference title game. <laughs> well, well Super they're, in the right conference. Just... they're in the right conference to make the conference title game. That's true. They are. I mean, they're I not. Mean, okay, you, you, know. got, you got Tampa. You know, I assume Green Bay is still going to be green, good because they have Aaron Rodgers, even though they lost Devontae Adams and haven't re-signed or haven't signed a real receiver yet, right? Am I right on that one? Yeah. Um, what are you about? They got James Washington. No, no, no. I'm talking about Green Bay. Oh, no, Green, Green Bay is I'm still, sure. you know, I guess so Alan Green Le Bay, you know, Lazard is like it this, for them. Right. And he's a restricted guy, so he might be in the last year. I think he's restricted anyway. But in, in the Cowboys division, okay, Philly made a good trade. But I still think the Cowboys would still – as of now, the Cowboys would still be the favorite in the East. And I know no one wants to hear that. It doesn't mean anything. They're still the favorites in the East. So that gets you into the playoffs. And then you're looking at who else is – like who's markedly better than the Cowboys? You got Tampa. You got the Rams. Mark are the Niners better? playing Jimmy G, or are they playing Trey Lance? Like, I, think, I would, I would think expect the Niners to play would be Trey better Lance. if they had. 
Okay, then I, w- I don't know if the Niners are markedly better by playing a guy that hasn't played football in three years. Cardinals? Quarterback. But to me, aren't they, they lost Chandler Jones. How yeah, they replaced so him. Again, I, I'm asking the question. I don't really know it. But again, markedly better. Yeah, and see, and that, to me, it goes now, back. Now I'm sounding like Sonny Sunshine, and I hate that. But I mean, but you're—it's true. Like I was trying to figure this out the other day. If it's—if you say it's not the Rams, it's not the Bucks, and I'll give the benefit of the doubt to the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, then if like somebody asked me this question, they're, they're like, if one of those three teams doesn't win, who would you pick next? I was like, I, I mean, I think I'd pick the Cowboys. Yeah, unless and, and so maybe this is going to turn into the um, NBA or remember, like, and it's still that way, I guess for. for for years, uh, the West is so deep and the East sucks. It's going to be right. the AFC is so good and the NFC NFC is terrible. Like uh, whoever's going to win out of there, is, you know. Because I mean, seriously, if they if they were in the AFC with all the moves that we've known so known so far through that division uh, or the, through that conference, I think you'd say the Chargers are better. You'd still say the Chiefs are better. Sure. Um, the Bengals. Say, the Bengals. The the Ravens. The Browns, if the Bills playing, the Bills, probably and, the Patriots. Yeah, at least the Cowboys beat them last year. Tennessee, Fair. I didn't even mention Tennessee. That's that's seven so, teams right there. Right. <laughs> so you, 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 if if you're looking at it from that perspective, like the Cowboys are in the right division A and Conference B. Like I, I mean, New Orleans is no, New Orleans is not markedly better than no. the Cowboys, no, even no. with the they have new coach, still Jameis, a quarterback coming back from a knee injury. You don't know about, um, you know, it, so it's it's the Rams, eh, the Cardinals, I, you know, and again, the the Niners. But we can put some question marks next to a bunch of these guys. Yeah, I would agree. I, 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 that's what's so crazy about this conference is right. I, I think it's fair. Turn up those yeah, NFC yeah. title tickets. <laughs> I mean, there it is. Why not? And and. You know, what if Father Time catches up to Tom Brady this year and the Bucks aren't what they're supposed to be? I mean, I, I think yeah, the Rams, I think the Rams kind of, that's why they made the Wagner deal and they're doing whatever they can because, like you said, they're looking at this conference today. I mean, why not run it back? Spend all the money right now and four years from now, if we've got four dudes with $50 million cap hits, who cares? Right. It's the modern NFL, yeah. at least for them. Right. And, and no one, all seven Rams fans aren't going to care five years from now if the team stinks. <laughs> Because they got a Super Bowl. That's true. Right? I mean, that's that's how I look at it. Because the Cowboys went; they haven't done anything since the '95 season. And if to me, it's like, okay, so what if you win a Super Bowl now? And what if for the next ten years you you are just kind of average and you got cap problems? We've already been doing that for the last 25 years. Yep. I mean, if I got a Super Bowl out of this and got to go buy a Super Bowl T-shirt, I don't give a crap what happens. When they're like, well, <laughs> we had to cut Dak and we had to cut Zeke and we had to cut our entire offensive line because the cap hit. I'm like, so what? I've got a Super Bowl t-shirt. Kick ass. I'll still be here. And, and and again, we've talked about this before. That's why 2007 is so painful. Yeah. That's why 2014 is so painful. And that's why 2016 is so painful. You had three opportunities in the last, uh, what would that be, 15 years mm-hmm. to be the team and it didn't happen in any of those for reasons of their control. And I guess you can even add this year to a degree uh, as well. But let's be honest. We're in three years from now, right? What's that got? Two years left after this one? Yeah. 
So three years from now, Jerry will say, my biggest regret is Dak not winning, not winning a Super Bowl with Dak. He will replace Romo's name with Dak. Like, that's the way this thing's trending. Yep. Or maybe you'll add Romo's, the Dak name to Romo's name. You're no longer doing doing your pet Donny imitation. Well, I just, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things like, hey, we really wanted to keep Dak, but where quarterback contracts are right now, we just, uh, you can't have Dak and also field a team. It'll be one of those types of things. Who knows? What's the Pat Donny imitation? I'm lost. Oh, being Mr. Sunshine Pumper. Oh. You know, he's uh, look, if, if they get to the end of Dak's deal and they have not gotten to a conference title game or a Super Bowl, like, is it going to happen? He will have had 10 years as the, not 10, let's see, 2016 to two, seasons, nine seasons as the team starter. If he hadn't made it, is he, would he make it here? History tells you no. <laughs> Todd Archer, as always, man, that was good stuff today. We appreciate it. I said it with a surprise, like the other day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah, nice cover, nice cover. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next right. week. See, See you guys. Yep. Go ahead. Awesome, Todd Archer, as always. Brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group. Have you stopped down on the website yet? I'm telling you, man, every time I go there, there's one of those cars where it just, it it piques your interest. It grabs your attention at bluestarmotorgroup.com. As you guys know, all of them are Carfax certified. They're superior quality. Makes of all kinds, makes and models, and they've got it all. A variety of prices, some that have high miles, some that have low miles, some that are elite and and cost a pretty penny, some that are super affordable. They literally have a car for any budget for anything that you're looking for at bluestarmotorgroup.com. No, that's what I like most about it, man. I like that, that you can find anything you're looking for. And guess what? If they don't have it, they can go get it for you. Um, All you got to do is tell them what you want, make, model, mileage, that kind of stuff. They can go find it and bring it to you. Uh, The other thing, man, is, Deb and Mike, they're all about the win-win, man. Everybody's not about the win-win, but they are. And to me, that's special. When the handshakes are done and the contracts are signed, they want everybody smiling. So smile. Go get a car at Blue Star Motor Group. Get get a new ride for the spring and the summer. You deserve it. And I promise you, you're going to find something very nice. They got a lot of really nice cars on their, uh, their site right now. A lot of good inventory for them at bluestarmotorgroup.com or give Deb a call. You can shoot her a text, 817-881-4066. That's 817-881-4066 at Blue Star Motor Group. We got to move forward here. And I, I said this at the very beginning of the podcast. I said, we may be about to experience one of the greatest things we've ever witnessed in the history of sports. Tiger Woods today, let it be known, he is going to play in the Masters. He tees off at, he's in the official groupings. He tees off at 9.34 on Thursday morning in a group where Louis Oosthuizen, who's also won a couple of majors, is in his group. Tiger Woods, 17 months removed from a car accident that almost killed him with multiple broken bones, revealed like a few weeks ago that he thought he might lose his leg coming out of this. And he is going to play in that. And I I can't stop myself from thinking, what if this dude is in contention on Sunday? I think it will shatter any viewing numbers golf has even sniffed. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's been out for a long time, bro. 
Uh, now, you know, who was that he was with? Fred Couples, who said he he was, yeah. you know, magnificent the yep. other day in his practice round. Uh, we know the pressure's not going to bother him. It's just a matter of whether uh, – I think the biggest question is whether his body can yep. can walk that course, which people have said is a hell of a lot hillier than you, than you think it is, uh, for four days and whether the fatigue will get to him. Um, you know, while he's playing. Yeah, because he, he flat out said, he goes, it's not the golf. He goes, the golf is there. I can hit all the shots. I can play the game I want to play. He even said it's the walking. It It's – and Augusta National is one of the most grueling courses that they play on a regular basis on the PGA Tour. And it's going to be all that, all that walking and how does his body respond to it. And it's one thing, you know, that's why I thought, you know, maybe first day he goes out and he's just feeling it and he's good. And then maybe the second day you can get to the cut, but man, by the time Sunday rolls around and you've had three days of all this physical exertion that you're not really used to in that level, I don't know, but it's just Tiger would not have put himself in the tournament if he didn't think he could legit compete. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't enter it just to enter it and embarrass himself. No, 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 no. So that tells you he believes he can compete at a level where he can win if his body will hold up for him. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's the only that's the only thing he knows to do. You know what I mean? The only thing he knows to do is to uh to compete and go for it and take no prisoners. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not uh I'm not surprised at all that uh that that's the approach that he's taking. Yeah, and man, I just if he if he were to do this, it, like if he were to make the cut, we'd all be blown away. I think Saturday and Sunday the viewership numbers would just be ridiculous. If he's in contention, when they make the turn on the back nine on Sunday, they will they will shatter viewership records. And I'm not even you will see golf. I think pull in an NFL number. Like I wouldn't be wow. surprised if it's. I mean, think about that. Tiger Woods. After everything he's been through, get to your TV right now. Tiger Woods is two back with nine to play. Dude. I mean, who who doesn't want to witness that? I I hope we get to see that because if we if he wins, and I can't stop myself from thinking that. It's a colossal if. It's the biggest if font you can use. But if he wins, I mean, we'll be talking a week from now that we just witnessed the greatest sports feat we've ever seen by an individual. Shoot. Ah. You're probably right if he can pull it off. I mean, granted, it's a crazy if, and I, I doubt anybody will ever believe it. But, you know, I just I can't stop thinking of the what ifs and holy crap, what if he does it? I mean, it'd just be, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, as far as an individual feat goes, he's supposed to be done. I mean, hell, he already won in 2019, and he came back, right, and that right. was awesome. That was incredible. But after this, when he had, I mean, he had compound, fr- that's where bones are sticking out of your skin, <laughs> you know, and he talked about how he was just thankful he was alive so that he could age with his children. And he didn't know if he'd ever be able to play golf again, much less competitively. And just two months ago, somebody asked him about it. He said, I don't know. It's like, I don't know when I'll be able to get back. It's, it's a, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm just happy that I'm here. And he's so different now that he's gone through all of this. You know, where he seems, the people seem to be, it felt like we used to watch Tiger because he was an assassin and you loved that he was the gray man on the golf course. You, right. He was the type of guy who you didn't hear coming. You were having fun watching and you turn around and there's a dude standing in the corner and, and you're like, you found me. And he's like, yes, I did. And then that's the last thing you hear. Tiger Woods was <laughs> that type of golf assassin. 
hitting, doing things on the course we never knew about. Then it felt like there was a realm in which people turned on him because of the, you know, the sexual stuff and cheating on his wife and all that crap. And we're like, oh my God, this guy, holy crap. And now it's swung all the way back where it feels like people are embracing him with the real love of, oh my God, I can't believe you survived. We're so happy you're here. Please, we want you to win. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, you know, I think I, I think I can see that, man. I mean, I think I see how that happens and, and how that goes on. You know, it's it's America, man. We love a great story, and we love to build you up and tear you down, but then we love a great story once you've suffered and uh, once you've come back. Yeah, we do. And, and that's it's really just wild to think of everybody hates Phil now, it feels like, and everybody loves Tiger. And, you know, 10 years ago, maybe everybody hated Tiger and everybody loved Phil. I mean, it's just it's it's so crazy, but I'm stoked for this. I can't wait. I usually don't really pay a lot of attention. Like I don't I don't watch a lot on Thursday and Friday, but I will be watching Thursday, excuse me, Thursday morning when Tiger tees off. Just I, I can't believe he's back playing major golf. It just it's it's. It's this is just one of those things. It's hard to fathom, and I hope he wins. I want him to win. I put twenty bucks on him, dude. I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping he's in it. I, I'm hoping he's in it, and I'll take it uh, with a, in contention on the back nine. That'd be great. Yeah, I put twenty bucks on him and twenty bucks on Will Zalatoris, who's a local DFW kid who my brother's buddies with that plays out at Marydown. Those are my two. All right. So why not? I thought that'd be fun. And then finally, before we wrap up this version, we have to touch base just quickly, of course, and tell you about Freeway Tire Shop, the fantastic job that JR and his crew does at Freeway Tire Shop, man. Look, there's a reason why Jacques takes every single one of his cars to JR, and that reason is trust. You, We found you a mechanic. We found it. You don't even have to worry about reading reviews or trying, well, I don't know about this guy. What about this guy over here? Should we go here? We found you the mechanic you can trust who stands behind his work. His name is JR. All of his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. We found him. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I'm taking uh, my Honda over there probably tomorrow because I need to get an inspection sticker. And uh, the JJT Media Group's got to go on the road uh, later on this week for a project. Not at Jackson State. Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so... Um, uh, I got to take it by for an inspection, but that's what JR does, man. It doesn't matter whether you need an oil change, an inspection, change an engine. He's done all that kind of work for me in the past. And the reason I keep taking all my vehicles to a man is you can trust him. Trust him to figure out what the heck is wrong with your car. Trust him to fix it with quality parts. Trust him to f charge you a fair price, and then you can trust him to stand behind his work. It's the four T's of trust, bravery, the foundation for any mechanic. That's why I rock with JR. Freeway Tire Shop, just north of downtown Dallas. Online, freewaytireshop.com. You can go there, schedule an appointment, request a quote. I wanted to bring up the national title game. For us, it was last night, April 4th. Kansas and North Carolina. Kansas wins the national title. We did get to see history because we saw the biggest comeback in title game history. When Kansas was down by 16, they were down by 15 at the half. And I will tell you this, because I spent a couple of segments of my radio show on Monday talking about why I thought Kansas would win and all this. Halftime, man, I was getting blown up. Ah, shows what you know. Oh, it looks like you were wrong. And I'm just sitting there going, Do, are people mistaken and think the college game was only 20 minutes long? <laughs> I mean, 
nobody thinks they were coming back from 15 down despite what they did to Miami. I mean, it was Carolina. This was a championship game. No, but I, like watching that, I was like, you know, the thing of it is, is it's not like North Carolina is playing great defense. Kansas is missing wide open shots right by the goal. Like, I, I don't think this is going to continue like this. And I didn't think you'd see the discrepancy in free throws because North Carolina hit 10 more free throws in the first half than the second half. I said, if Kansas just starts hitting these open shots and North Carolina doesn't go to the free throw line four times more, this can be a good second half. And then Kansas came out and just turned it on, started hitting their shots. And lo and behold, we actually got a really kick-ass finish. You know, bro, uh, I'll tell you something funny about that game after we finish talking about it. There's a point where they were up by 10, and this happens in a lot of – this happens often when you have a comeback. Carolina's up by 10. I can't remember which dude it was. He came down, raced down the court, and with 21 seconds left on the shot clock, launched like a 20 – it was two feet beyond the three-point line. It clanged off. It started a fast break for Kansas. Uh, our dude from Denton Ryan got an and one on it. And just like that, it was uh, it was down to seven with like 10 minutes left or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's those points where like, bro, you're up by 10. You're in control. Work the ball. Take a good shot. If, you, if it's a three, it's a three. But you don't have to come down and throw up a 20, you know, a, a long three, <laughs> yes. nine seconds yep. of the shot clock. Which then triggers the fast break, and now of it's seven. It's an and one, and Kansas is like, "Oh shit, we got a chance to win this thing." And to me, those are the kind of momentum plays uh, that turned it. And then at the end, man, I don't know about you, it seemed to me like Carolina panicked. Yeah, you know, those last those yeah. last threes. Yep, the last three threes were like, "Bro, man, what the, are y'all the, doing? this is." And you talk all the time about how you just love the NBA is just so much better than than college. That really comes out in final possessions a lot of the times in college. And you saw it last night because you don't see that as much in the NBA. You see it all the time in the college game. They had 15 seconds left, and Caleb Love ran down and took a shot like the buzzer was going to hit while the ball was in the air. Yeah. And I'm just going, I was, as soon as he shot it, I go, well, Kansas just won. I was like, what are yeah. you doing? Like, you had plenty of time. That, there's, that was not a design play. I mean, they don't design a play to take a 30-foot three-pointer with that much time left on the clock. Like, what are you doing? And then they got the offensive rebound, kick it out, and it was another rushed three-pointer. Yeah, bro. And you can see, I mean, you know, we're talking about younger kids. These are 18 to 20-year-old kids usually, and there's that sense of panic and, you know, how many times have they been in this type of situation? All that comes into play. But, yeah, I, I, I I thought the same. And then the dude from Kansas on the inbounds play, when he yeah. stepped out of bounds, I said out loud, I go, oh, my God, he just Chris Webbered. <laughs> like, because, I mean, seriously, he, if if North Carolina had tied the game after he turned it over like that, we'd be looking back going, what a colossal mistake. You got the ball, you inbounded it, you had four seconds left, and you stepped out of bounds to give it back to North Carolina. Yeah. That was wild, man. But all in all, it, it's solid game. It is interesting, all that stuff that's happening with Kansas, the fact that, they win the national championship and he's given the trophy to a program that's got five level one violations hanging in the air against them. So who knows? Yeah, bro. But whatever. Good for Kansas. Rock chalk. I'm, I didn't care either way. I just, I, I was excited Kansas won because I said they'd win on the radio. And anytime you're right on the radio, it, it's, was, I think it's an old Einstein story where when Einstein would teach class, 
he would write, you know, one plus one equals two, one plus two equals three, so on down the line. And then he'd go one plus nine equals eight. And the class would laugh and he goes, ah, of course, none of you had anything to say when I got nine out of 10 correct. But when I made a mistake on the last one, you wanted to laugh and make fun of me. <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things. Don't let your mistakes kind of eat at you. And because people for whatever reason, you know, you can be right 90% out of the time and they'll just be like, you never hear anything, but that 10% you're wrong. Oh, they let you know. Oh, hell yeah. Welcome to America, I guess. All right, that's it for this one. We'll be back and we'll chat with Clarence Hill Jr. on the next podcast. And it'll be Masters Thursday. We'll be going into Masters weekend. You're not going to watch any of it unless Tiger's there, are you? Yeah, not the weekend. So, yeah. What if Spieth is in it? Hell no. No? So Tiger's the only guy? Yes, that's it, brother. All right, well, fair enough. (laughs) See you later. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.